listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. How are we? Good. Man, it's so good to be here. I just want to, before I get going, I just want to tell you, I, I love this place so much. I've only been here twice, and I've absolutely loved it both times. You guys, uh, y'all just have such a good, like a different feel, and it's, it's so good to me. Like, the two times I've been a part of the prayer team back there, like, it's been some of the most intimate times with the Lord I've had at church. And so what that means to me is that you have some incredibly solid people leading this church. And I wanna tell you, if you're new here today, please get connected with these people, I promise. It will change your life for the better, and I promise you won't regret it, okay? Um, my name is Buck, Buck Benton. I'm gonna be planting our Dublin campus starting January 8th. And like I said everywhere, if I was any more excited, I, I probably wouldn't ever make it there, okay? Um, I, I'm really, really ready to go. And we've got a couple of my friends here from Dublin today, and we just love what God's doing in Millen. And uh, we're asking fervently for your prayers as we get ready to take the gospel forward in Dublin. And we plan on hitting the ground running. So um, if you will, just be praying for us specifically that uh, the, God's spirit would just go before us and we would see some things there that that place has never seen before, that uh, God would be honored and glorified in that, okay? Um, so before I get going, I also wanna talk a little bit about your two, uh, your two leaders. So uh, I know Jeremy's out of town today, but y'all, I love that dude, man. You, you wanna know why? Because every time I listen to him pray and he talks, like I, immediately what I think is, all right, I need to go in a closet and pray for like three days. I mean, dude is like crazy faithful. Dude just wants to see uh, people get saved and he wants to see God's name glorified and he loves you in a way that you, you guys just don't know how much he loves this community. You, you have no idea. I wish you could spend more time with it than you get to. And he is crazy faithful and he loves Jesus and he loves you. And, uh, and he's just an awesome guy, all right? And, and I wanna tell you something. It is not normal for 60 something people to respond and say, yep, I want Jesus in a service. Y'all are too close to it to really embrace that. That is not the normal. What, what God's doing in this place is not normal. And I think you're too close to it to really appreciate it because what I feel like living in lines about to move to Vidalia is I, I get to be a part of a move of God in Millen. Like because we both go to the same church in different locations, I feel like I get to share in an absolute move of God. And so I wanna tell you that and wanna tell you from the outside looking in, what God's doing here is not normal. The second person I like to talk about is Dallas, all right? Dallas is a funny guy, isn't he? Okay, maybe not. Anyway, the, he, uh, y'all, he's, in, <laughs> he's incredible too, man. He, like when I, when I remember like uh, kind of where he's at in his walk and his age, I immediately am like, all right, well, I'm gonna take a whole week off and I'm gonna read the Bible for a week. That's immediately what I think of. Uh, he is just so wise for his age. It's just so, uh, he loves the Bible and he loves you and he wants to see disciples made. And so every time I'm around these two guys, they spur me on to be a better believer. They spur me on to be a better uh, leader of our church because of the two leaders you guys have, right? And then we got Andrew up here and I'm thinking like, if, if uh, George Strait would have got saved and went into country mute, like went into worship, like that's what we're looking at. Wouldn't y'all agree? I mean, dude can wear it out. And I don't know who the girl is. She's incredible too. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to encourage you guys is that I believe that this church is going to grow way outside of this place. In fact, I think this is going to be a launching pad into our community here that we're going to change this community for the glory of God. Y'all with me on that? That's what I'm looking at, okay? And I'm way up the road in Dublin. It is a boring ride from Dublin to here, by the way. 
That's like all we talked about here is like, it's like the same thing. It's like country, 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 more country, take a right, country. But I want to tell you something. An hour and 20 minutes away, we are praying fervently that God's going to do something here that Jenkins County ain't never seen. All right? So, all right, today I got to shut up. I got to start preaching. Uh, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If y'all want to go ahead and turn there. And what we're doing, we're going to be wrapping up the series called As One. I love when we do our marriage series because they, uh, they immediately convict me and spur me on to be a better husband and a better father. And so this week, we're going to be talking about specifically the family, focused on the children and parent relationship, but also talking about our spiritual family, the church. And so week one, what we talked about was what it looked like to be a godly husband, right? What it looked like to be a godly man. Week two, we talked about what a godly uh, wife and woman look like and what God's word says about it. And today we're gonna kind of uh, bring the whole family unit together. And what I wanna do today is this. I want you to get uh, several things, but I want you to understand what God's word says, his vision and his heart is for the family. It's gonna be very simple, I promise. I believe the text we're gonna be in today is gonna preach itself uh, very well. And so I'm excited about that. And I just want you to leave with the vision God has for uh, the family. Okay? And I wanted to know something else. I see some teenagers out here. Understand this uh, goes out to everybody. Everyone here, if you're not a mother or, or a, a father, you're a son and daughter. And if you don't have parents here, or maybe when we talk about family, it's like a sting, like a hurt. Like that's not a good subject. We talk about marriage, that's not a good subject. I wanna tell you something. You're a son and a daughter of the king. You hear me? And look at here, this is how God designed the church, right? Like he didn't save us and then like cast us out to go walk this thing out alone. This is what you have church family for. You're sitting beside your brother and sister. You know that, right? So this speaks to everybody and let's see what God's heart is for the family unit, but also specifically for the church family, okay? So if y'all would pray and uh, pray with me and let's see what God has to say to us today. God, I love you so much. I thank you for the opportunity to preach, Lord. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to be in milling. Lord, it's just, I, I just love that prayer time so much and I love the people here. And uh, Lord, I, I can sense your spirit here. So I believe you're gonna do some awesome stuff. I pray for each and every heart uh, in the room. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word, Father, wherever we're at, whether uh, we're walking this thing out and pursuing Jesus, or maybe we're just here for the first time and trying to figure out uh, what, what's going on or uh, wherever we're at, Lord. I just pray that you would open our hearts, Lord, and uh, that we would hear your message. God, I pray specifically for me that my selfish uh, thought, anything that is of me, God, you would just cast it out and Lord, you would speak through me now. Lord, uh, you call me to an altar, not a platform. So God, I pray I would just be humble and Lord, you would speak your word through me. God, I love you and I thank you for this time. In thy name, amen. All right. So I think I told you guys, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, okay? And uh, kind of what's going on in here uh, is this. So I, I want to explain this as best I can. I feel like context is really important. But what's happening is Moses is teaching the people of God, which are the Israelites, okay? Now remember, this is Old Testament. Uh, we know because of Jesus Christ, God's people is anyone that would come to know Jesus, okay? But in the Old Testament, when uh, they're speaking on behalf of God and teaching the Israelites, God's people, we can put ourselves in place of the Israelites, all right? And so it's kind of funny. I was reading the first six chapters of Deuteronomy, and what it really felt like is this, is that uh, Moses was preparing the people to go into the promised land. So uh, basically what he's saying is, all right, 
These are the laws and decrees. This is what God wants you to do. These are the things God wants you to follow. These are the things to do. Now we're getting ready to go over into the promised land. And they said, you know, it will be good to do these things and it will go well with you, all right? I kind of think about it like this over and over and over again. uh, He says, be obedient. Be obedient to these things I'm gonna teach you. Be obedient to these things. Hey, this is what God's word says. Please do these things. Hey, guess what? God's word says this. This is what you need to do. Hey, this is what you need to do, all right? Uh, The best way I can think about is this. How many deer hunters we got in here? Husbands, wives of deer hunters? All right, this is gonna be a terrible example. Okay, Um, but it's almost like this. Like you're gonna take your kid hunting for the first time and you already know how it's gonna go. You know, you can tell them all you want. Like, listen, when you get out of the truck, don't slam the truck door, right? When you're walking, don't step on the crunchy leaves. We've got to be quiet getting to the stand. Uh, when you get in the stand, remember, you've got to whisper. You can't, you can't talk loud. Remember, if you've got to move, you've got to move slow. These deer can see, right? So it's almost like you're, you're getting ready to go uh, to the deer stand, and you're trying to coach these kids up like, listen, we're not going to be successful, and this is not going to go well for you unless you uh, do these things, okay? So... Literally, that's what he's saying here is this, is that uh, as you get ready to go into the promised land, you need to do these things and it's gonna go well with you, I promise, because God's word says it will, all right? And so uh, God is getting ready for God's people to go into the promised land and he's gonna teach them what to do, okay? So let's read these, six, these nine verses together. This is gonna be Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one through nine. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children, you might want to underline, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by what? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. I I want you to think about something. You see how it says, do these things so that you may enjoy long life? I wanna teach you something about the Old Testament. Whenever we read out of the Old Testament, I want you to see it like a shadow, like not the real thing. Like I'm the real thing, my shadow is not, right? And so the Old Testament is a shadow of what's coming. And so what he's talking about here is obedience, that if you uh, do these things, if you trust the Lord, if you uh, let the Lord do something in you, if you do these things, you will enjoy long life. Now in this text, it's talking about long life on earth, but the real thing, what it's saying is, it's talking about heaven. It's foreshadowing eternal life, life that is forever, okay? So think about this as a shadow of something much, much bigger. All right, I gotta quit. All right, verse three. It says, hear Israel and be careful to obey. Underline that. Be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Now, you guys can figure this out. What do you think the, Lord, the land of milk and honey is uh, foreshadowing? That's heaven, right? It's literally talking about, uh, it's a shadow of what's gonna come because of the saving work of Christ, all right? So just to give you a little bit of context, God is saying, this is what I want you to do. And following these things are going to equal good things. In fact, great things. In fact, it's going to equal uh, having a loving relationship with Jesus that will last for eternity. 
Okay, so that's what we're talking about. And so in chapter five, he gives the 10 commandments and now he's gonna be talking about the family unit, okay? So everybody listen up real quick. Verse four is where it gets dang good, all right? It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You might wanna underline that. All your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, okay? So there we go. Now let's shift and let's talk specifically about the family. And I think it's no coincidence that right after uh, God shares with Moses and Moses teaches the Israelites the Ten Commandments and he reminds them like, this is what you're supposed to do. Let's talk immediately about the family. What that means is the family is important to God, all right? Or else he would have designed the church different. We would all be like scattered little single Christians out there. But God didn't design it that way. He designed the church to act and participate as a family, all right? And so we're gonna look and see what God says for his family. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. This is the first question I want you to ask. Do I have a vision for my family? Remember, this applies to everyone. If you're a young man, you're gonna lead a family one day. If you're a young woman, prayerfully, you're gonna be a godly wife one day. And like I said, if there's brokenness in here, and guys, I'm here to tell you, I know there's brokenness here. I know that there's folks, single parents, I know that. But I wanna tell you something, God's design is better and I promise you, in Christ, the best days are ahead of you. I promise, okay? So let's hear this. First thing is this, do I have a vision for our family? What that means is this, is do I, what, at the end of the day, what do I wanna see uh, through my family? What do I want to accomplish? Because see, so many times in life, we're so good at waking up and like rolling the dice, I hope it goes well today. Like we're so responsive to life, but I believe the family, we can't afford to be responsive. In fact, we've gotta be active, not passive. So here we go. I believe he teaches this text here. What's our vision? Y'all read verse five with me. I believe this is the vision for all of our households. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Boom, there you go. There's he, he just cast a vision for us, okay? He just cast a vision for our family. Now, what I want you to focus on is this. Where does vision for your family start at? What's the first word you see in verse five? It says, uh, to love you, the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart, right? Now, when it goes to leading your family, how many times do we start working on our family with our own strength? Isn't that us? We wanna shape and mold and fix things with our kids. How many parents we got here today? Just so I got an idea. Oh, yes, golly, I'm praying for y'all. Y'all be praying for me, right? Uh, I, wanna, I wanna introduce you guys real quick just to give a little background. Um, this is my son, Devin. Uh, he's my oldest. Uh, he, uh, the Lord blessed us with him about a year and a half ago. Uh, he's 19. He's got a, a first cousin who's Sebastian, but they, they fight and act more like brothers. So let's just call them brothers. Um, he's 17. And so a year and a half ago, uh, God blessed us with them. And that's a cool story. I wish I had more time to share with you. And then uh, I have a two-year-old back in KK that's probably taking your kids as toys, okay? Um, she's a fireball, all right? So we got a pretty dynamic home. And so speaking to parents, like I, I've kind of got a wide array of parenting, and so uh, I haven't figured it out. In fact, uh, some days I wake up and I'm like, yeah, I am a moron. 
But I'm trying, and I'm trying with you, okay? So let's see if God will help us. But what God spoke to me through this text is that it starts with our heart, okay? It starts with our heart. And see, if Jesus, and we don't love the Lord the God, our God with all our heart, how can we ever expect to give that away to our children, right? And see, here's the thing. So many times we try and uh, shape and mold our kids by our own strength, right? That we don't really care about their heart, but rather we wanna cut out the bad and make these like good kids. And why can't you be a good kid? Why will you not stop doing this and do these things, right? And we completely bypass their heart because see, here's the thing. You wanna see lasting change and, uh, and grooving and really uh, shaping a family? You can't do it on your own. You're gonna need God's help. And so here's the deal. When you get right with your relationship with the Lord and Jesus has your heart, then you know exactly how it feels to submit that and to embrace the love of God. And then you know what your number one task as a parent becomes? How do I go get their heart? How do I capture their heart? Because see, once we get there and once we uh, have that relationship when uh, they want daddy and mommy's heart, then we can see God do transformative things in our family. But see, here's the deal. God doesn't want good kids. He wants godly young people. And that starts with having their heart, not their, not their action, right? And so, so many times we wanna start with the the strength. But see, I believe it lays it out here perfectly. It says to love the Lord your God with all your heart first, okay? So if that's not where we're at, that's the starting point is we gotta start with our heart and start saying, God, what is the vision for my family? How do I wanna lead my family? And Lord, what do I wanna lead my family to? And I'm not, I promise you, I wanna tell you something. I hope this is not uh, condemning at all, because I want to tell something. I'm a goofball, man. I mess up all the time as a parent. In fact, I'm going to share some with you today, but I, I want you guys to uh, read this with me and kind of see well, you know, where you're at with your family, okay? So we have to be focused on pursuing our children's hearts is uh, having Jesus in our heart and then wanting to capture that and share that love out of our heart and capture our children's heart, okay? The second thing is this. How many of you... Uh, ever ask the question, dads, um, am I a disciple or am I leading my family? I, you know, I think it's a question we have to ask ourselves. And one thing I would say is this, the question you can't ask is if I'm discipling my kids, because the answer is yes, okay? You're molding your children right now. Mothers, you're molding your children right now. The question is, what am I molding them into, right? And so what they see and I promise you this, what they see and see you doing is shaping and molding them. It is changing them. Their view of marriage is being shaped by yours right now. Their view of how to treat a woman is being shaped by yours right now. Their view of how to respect a man is being seen by you right now. Single mothers, your work ethic and the way you provide and ferociously wanna take care of their children, that, that is being instilled. Some of the most incredible people I've ever met have come from single parents because they have seen a, a, a ferocious way of wanting to take care of their family and do whatever it takes to provide and that it, they are, you are shaping them right now as we sit here in this church and, and speak. I want you to know that, okay? And so uh, we want godly kids and we want to be discipling them for the glory of God. One thing I'd say is this is, uh, how many of you guys know that when you went in the marriage, you were expecting what you saw from your parents? I learned this uh, very, very early on. My dad, uh, he's kind of one of those kind of domineering types. He's one of those guys that kind of, 
He's gonna wake up and kind of do what he wants. And my mom's just a super like submissive lady, like, and she likes doing that. So it's almost like, you know, when I, when I grew up, I saw my dad just kind of taking the lead. My mom just kind of almost like holding his hand and walking behind him, if that makes sense. Anybody seen that before in your parents? So guess what? When I got married and we decided we were going to you know, pile in and live together and, and be married, what did I think was going to happen? I was going to wake up every day and by gosh, I'm, I might play golf today, might go hunting, might catch a largemouth bass. I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I want and she's going to kind of follow me. And I never forget the first summer uh, when I wasn't teaching, I woke up and there was this list and it said at the top of it, to do. What? <laughs> to do what? I'm about to go do this 86 on the golf course is what I'm about to do. But see, I, I had to get used to that because I've been shaped to see marriage differently. If that makes sense. That's what I was expecting. And so we're doing the same things with our kids. We might not know it yet, but we are shaping them into something. That's something you forfeited that right. The minute we became parents, we forfeited the right to sit on the sidelines. We're, we're modeling something. We're raising some people, all right? And so one thing I wanna help you with is this, is how do I shape and have vision? So let's say right now today, God's dealing with your heart and you're saying, you know what? I do wanna have a home that, that wants to pursue the Lord with all our hearts, that wants to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and strength. Where do I start at? Well, one thing I'd say is this, is that you can shape and, and mold the vision uh, of your household by doing two things. One is this, ask yourselves the question, if you're taking notes, what am I celebrating in my home? What do I celebrate? What do we celebrate as a family? Like when something good happens, what, what are those things? Are they good grades? Nothing wrong with that at all. Are they good behavior? Is it... Um, we, we, we dropped three bombs this weekend at travel ball tournament. You know, what, what's kind of the things we celebrate? And again, nothing wrong with those things, but how does what we celebrate align with the vision for our home, right? And the second thing I'd say is this, what are the things we're praying for? What are we praying for? Not only with our family, but individually, what, what do the prayers look like for our family? What do we want to see God do? And would it not be crazy to ask God to do it, right? I don't think God wants to sit back and uh, you know, us not have a godly family, if we ask for it, by gosh, I, I feel sure he's gonna help you get there. But we've gotta ask for it. And I wanna tell y'all, I failed at this miserably. Just so y'all know, I'm not standing up here like the preacher in the congregation. Like, uh, I promise you, I should be sitting on the back row a lot of days, okay? I promise. The other night, Sebastian, I was a wrestling coach before God called me out of uh, teaching and education and in the ministry. And uh, I have my, my younger son still wrestling. His name's Sebastian. And so the other night, y'all, he, he, he's kind of out of shape from football. And his first dual meet, he went out there and got crushed. I'm talking, this dude abused him right there on the mat, all right? And he was pretty tough last year. And, you know, I was his coach. And I don't, you know, I don't do real good with losing all the time, all right? And so Sebastian goes out there and he gets cream, man. I mean, this dude wears him out. I, I can't say that. I mean, he got on him. And so... Uh, my pride's hurt a little bit and he comes home and I'm doing good. I'm in my head. I'm like, all right, you know, don't take this out on him. He, he's, you know, he's going to get there. This is not what we want to do. I'm, and I'm doing good. And he gets home and uh, kind of hold my tongue like, hey, man, we'll, we'll get him next time. You know, we got to get back to work. And then he says, uh, well, I'm upset because coach said so-and-so. And like, he's not upset that he lost. He's upset about something the coach said. And y'all, let me tell you something. I lit into him like a, I'm talking about it was bad face red, like, son, you dadgummit, does the loss not hurt you? Like, it's killing me. Like, what, why are you worried about what the coach said? That dude just wore you out, man. And I'm getting on a man, and I'm, my 
my emotions are up here and I'm like, we gotta get back to work. We gotta train, we gotta do all this. And so what did I teach him I value? I teach him I value winning, right? Like ton of emotion, ton of like, man, I'm for you. I know you're gonna be okay, but man, this hurts. Like that's something I value. And then hear this, this is gonna convict me and maybe I won't, anyway. The other night he comes home and he says, hey coach, man, there's this girl in my class, she's really struggling. And uh, man, I, I just got to share my testimony with her and share Jesus with her. And then how did I respond? I said, man, that's an awesome job, buddy. I'm proud of you. No emotion, just kind of a, now tell me, that, does that align with the vision for my home? No, I'm, I'm communicating a very clear message of what I value. And y'all, I, I messed up. In fact, I need to tell him about it. Uh, that, was, that is not aligned with what I want for our home. And I was wrong, straight wrong, all right? In fact, I might call him after the service. All right, anyway. Um, but anyway, and he won three matches this weekend, so I'm, I'm better. Uh, so yeah, so the first thing I say is this. Ask yourself, what is the vision for my home? If you're a church member, what's the vision for our church? Like I said, I, I pray we're a launching pad in the Jenkins County that changes this place, that we outgrow this thing soon, all right? We, get, we gotta build something over here, you know? Let's outgrow this sucker. Anyway, all right. Second thing is this, second question, if you're taking notes, how does God want me to lead my family? Like, how do I do it? Okay, you're talking about vision. Well, how do I follow through with this thing? Everybody's good at coming up with good ideas, right? But very few people are good at solutions. Thank goodness God's uh, on time and he teaches us in his word, okay? I want you to look at, Verse seven, read it with me. It says, I take that back, go to verse six first. It says this, these commandments that I give you, talking about what to do, this is God saying what to do. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse seven, impress them on your children. Hear that again, impress them on your children. And I looked this word up and what impress means is this. It's almost like making an imprint, like making a very, like a stamp of approval, like a uh, very much a giving it to them, almost like stamping it. Not in like a beat them over the head type, but a diligence, okay? Remember I said this, uh, parents, we have got to be active, not passive. And I believe that's what God's word says right here is that we've got to impress these values. We've got to impress these things God says on our children. And again, do not beat them over the head. You wanna run them 100, 100 miles in the wrong direction? Beat them over the head with the Bible and watch. They're gonna sprint to wherever they can get away from that. Look, love them and be diligent and impress it on them. Be diligent. Continue to give them the, the values and the, the things God's word says. Love them and just be diligent. Be active in doing it, okay? Does that make sense? That's exactly what this text is saying. And what that, what that happens is that what happens with that is this, for that to happen, we've got to take ownership of our family because I believe the number one thing that's killing us, especially men, and look, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Two years ago, you know what I did when I came home from work? Flipped on Facebook on my phone, lay back in the couch and let Carly try and do everything. That's what I did, okay? Remember, I should be on the back row a lot of days. Thank goodness God's good and he keeps sanctifying me. Pray continues. But I want you to hear this. We've got to be active because if we're not leading our family, the enemy is using a culture out there in the world. They're discipling the fire out of people. I don't know if y'all flipped on the news in a while, but man, what's going on outside of the, uh, God's church? It ain't good. We don't want it raising our children, I promise. It's shaping a worldview that is so far from, removed from God that it frightens me. 
that we've got to start being intentional about leading in our home. And if we're not winning at home, how could we ever win in our communities? We can't stop, we can't keep losing at home. We can't let the world disciple our children. We've got to take it and we've got to recognize that the enemy really does want to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to start with your family. And so if we're not guarding, and men, I know this, every single one of you, when you think about protecting something, there ought to be some, some hair stand up on your neck. Like I'm a, I'm a protector. God designed you that way. He made us to be the warriors of our family. We got to stand in the gap and protect our folks, man. Protect the people God gave you. That's what God wants for us. The second thing I say is this. We've got to be obedient, all right? That means we've got to be obedient to God's word, but we've also got to require obedience from our children, all right? Hear that. That'd be the second thing. Uh, we've got to require obedience. Now, I want, I want to hear this and hear it clearly. Obedience can't be a choice for our children. You understand that, right? It can't be a choice. Why? Because God's word doesn't say that that the relationship is literally the same. Man and God, same relationship with uh, father, mother, and son. And I'd say it like this. God's word says this. It says that obedience is of more value to him than sacrifice. And what I found is that as parents, we always lean towards sacrifice, but we give little value to obedience. See, 20 years from now, your kids, they're gonna value the heart and the disciplines you gave them more than the $3,000 Christmas you bought them. And we love to sacrifice. Y'all, I was an assistant principal last year. I'd have parents call and lie for their children to get them out of trouble. They would call and lie for them. Right there, to me, me knowing they're lying. And all I could think is like, what, what are you shaping your kids into? What are you teaching them to do? See, God values obedience. And this is not an obedience like a beat you over the head. It is literally what he wants for you. He doesn't wanna take anything from you. He wants it for you. In fact, wouldn't that be great to communicate to our kids? And Devin could probably tell you, uh, you know, when, most of the time when I have to correct, I tell them the why. Don't be afraid to tell them the why. They don't wanna know because I said so. Tell them why you command them to be obedient because God wants what's best for you. And son, how could I not want that for you as your father? As your mother, how could I not want that? See, obedience can't be optional. And my granddaddy knew this. I want to tell y'all a story real quick. So uh, my dad and, and my, my uncle and my granddad, they grew up on a farm. My granddad owned some land in Toons County. And so uh, as it would go, he drops the boys off, my dad and my uncle, and he says, all right, you got to feed these hog troughs out, all right? Um, and so uh, he leaves. My dad's always been kind of the hard worker, do right type. My uncle's like the black sheep, man. Y'all should have seen him. He had like a red mullet before he passed. I mean, he was, a, he was that guy. But uh, anyway, when, when they were kids, my dad goes to work like he's supposed to. And my uncle says, I think I'll climb pecan trees instead. So he goes to climb pecan trees and uh, my dad goes to work in the hog trough. And my granddaddy shows back up with the hogs and sees Barry up there in the tree and uh, my, my, my granddad was kind of a tough dude back then. You know, he says, Barry, get your blankety blank out of that blankety blank tree right now, son. So he tells him, I need you out of that tree now. So my uncle's about 15 feet up the sucker. And he slips and he falls out the tree. Bam! Right there at my granddaddy's feet. My granddaddy looks over him. He says, by gosh, son, that's the way I like for you to mind me. <laughs> See, my granddaddy got it. He valued obedience, all right? Possibly too much. But that's what it looks like, is that we uh, want obedience for our kids for them, right? We want to cultivate that. That How can we uh, expect them to be obedient when they're 16 out on their own? 
when we can't teach them to be obedient when they're three, asking if they can color on the carpet, right? How can we uh, want them to trust us that we know what's best for them at 16 if we can't cultivate that when they're four, right? And dude, y'all, are, y'all got a litter of them out there, man. Good gosh. They're like little animals. They're all over the place. So I know I'm talking to a lot of parents. Y'all are a fertile group, dude. So hear this, like we got to start shaping these folks now. They've got to value obedience. And one thing I've learned is an obedient child is a happy child, right? They hate obedience on the front end. He tell you, man, when we, when we all moved in, like we didn't know what the heck we were doing. We're like, man, I'm like 28. I don't know how to raise a teenager, but we told them both, said, hey, we're gonna let Jesus help us and show us and we're gonna give it a shot. And so there was a lot of stuff on the front end that wasn't fun, okay? But, but I, I believe I can say this, is that when, when children are obedient, they are happier. I promise. You want to see a miserable child? Let a child do whatever he wants, whatever she wants. They become miserable. I, I see it all the time as assistant principal. Like, I, I've seen it. The ones that have parents that are investing in their lives, not even great at it, but if they're investing in young people's lives, you see a dramatic difference than those that you know aren't. You, you see a, a happy kid showing up to school, and then you see a miserable one. Okay, so I promise you, if you have a difficult time with this, I, I promise you, you, you are gonna be thankful you did. See, you've gotta love who your young person's becoming more than allowing them to do what they're doing, okay? You've gotta have vision to see the person they're going to be, uh, not who they are now. And it is your task and your job that we start doing that, that we raise them and train them in the way of the Lord, just like the word of God says. And that starts now, right now. I love this stuff. Y'all can't tell. I'm passionate about the family. Anyway, and remember this. If you need a verse to remind you, 1 Samuel 15, I can't remember the verse, but it's in that chapter. God tells, I'm sorry, God through a prophet tells Saul, says, I value obedience more than sacrifice, okay? And there's nothing wrong with a $3,000 Christmas, okay? If God puts that on your heart, do it. But just remember, uh, obedience will serve your children much better 10, 15 years down the line, I promise. As sacrificial as we offer our kids, be just as demanding of obedience for their good, with love, not beating them over the head. Love them to death. Let them know that you love them, okay? And the last thing is this, and I, I, I love it before we move on to, to the last part right here is, um, how many of y'all would say talking about Jesus in your home is weird? Now, I want some honesty here. Be honest. Yes, thank you, Dallas. Thank you. I pre- yes, thank you. How, how many of you, it was weird for you growing up? Like you didn't hear Jesus from your mom and dad. Be honest. Come on, I value honesty so much. Okay, so I'm in your camp, all right? We were faithful Southern Baptist attenders. I mean, we, were, we would go, son. We'd be in there. Sunday school, the whole nine yards, all of us. Khakis jacked up tight, new boots. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But I want to tell you something. The minute that 12 o'clock service hit, it was fried chicken and the rest of in life, like complete disconnect, you know? And it was almost like now that God saved me, it's almost like a, it was like an every man for himself mentality. I hope you listen in Sunday school and I hope you get it because we, we just don't talk about it. Not that we, we just didn't. It was almost like it was awkward. Wouldn't y'all agree? I hope y'all, I hope I'm not, y'all, y'all leave me hanging. I'm like, man, maybe I am a weird dude. But, you know, we've got uh, to be, uh, honest about communicating with Jesus. I want to tell you something as fathers, as mothers, you create the normal in your home. You create the normal. 
if it's been awkward for forever, hey, change the culture and the direction of your family lineage. And I know, guys, I know there's people in here that when we talk about family lineage, you're like, dude, we're talking about a horror story, right? I know there's brokenness in our past. Every family deals with it. But see, here's the deal. God has given you the Holy Spirit, those that would come to know Christ, you can change the direction of that family. See, in verses one and two, real quick, I want you to tell you the impact of what I'm preaching about today. Look at verse two with me. It says, uh, so that, this is talking about commanding and uh, teaching the laws of the Lord, so that your children, you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Understand this, the decisions you make affects your grandkids. Understand that. The, the, the choices we make here affect our lineage. My mentor, Ronnie Smith, an evangelist, dude loves Jesus. Every time I sit down with him, I'm like, I have got to be a better believer. I've got to pursue Jesus harder. What he prays for y'all is he prays for the lineage of Smiths. He says, I pray Jesus. I've heard him do this and I'm like, this dude's awesome. Anyway, he says, I pray Jesus that every Smith that walks this earth would glorify God and make disciples. He's praying for his dang great grandkids after the Lord takes him home. Understand the decisions you make now are gonna change communities and it's gonna change your family for forever. God has gifted you with the ability to do that. And I'm gonna tell you at the end, I, I know right now that falls on ears and somebody's like, because I don't see it. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's in my past. You can preach all this all you want to, but it ain't happening. You don't know my story. I'm gonna tell you something. When we get done with this thing, God makes a way where there is none. He makes things become that aren't there if you'll trust him. So I wanna hear that. It's just open your heart. And I'm talking to the hardest heart in this place today. I want you to open it and just listen, okay? So hear that, is that we've got to communicate. And one thing I'll say about this, and this is probably most specifically to dads, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. One thing we've, we've got is with my father, I remember not... Uh, seeing a ton of, I, I take that back. He, he was, but I know I have the, uh, the tendency to want to have it all together to my children, that I want them to see me as the guy. And dads, I think we all have that. Moms, we want our kids to see us as we can do everything. I can take care of it. I can pack the perfect lunch. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Here's the deal. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable with your children. I'm telling you, it gravitates to them. There, there's nothing, and, and, uh, and, and I have to tell them this. When I mess up or I'm struggling, I'll say, y'all, I've, I've struggled. We'll sit down with our family time and say, you know, dad messed up. I, I'm, I'm wrong. God's still growing me. And, and I'm telling you, you talk about it like a vacuum. People just go to authenticity. People just go to people that are real, right? Don't be afraid to be that person in your home. You create the new normal. God's giving you the chips, Right? He's giving you the deck of cards. You play them how he says and watch what happens. But you set the foundation for your home. And today, if you've never talked about Jesus once in your home, even if she's, or he's three, uh, I get little Bella and let's start just saying Jesus. Who loves you, baby? Jesus. Who are we going to preach about today? Jesus. Who are we going to sing about today? Jesus, daddy. I love it. Shakes me up, man. I don't want to cry in front of y'all, so I'm going to quit that. But understand this. When we don't talk about Jesus in the home, what we create is religious homes, right? We create homes that value church and don't value Jesus, all right? So I want you to think about that as you create the normal in your home. Communicate, be vulnerable, talk about Jesus, okay? I urge you. And it's fun too, man. I love it because when we all know we're not perfect, I'm okay with hearing where they're messing up. 
And they don't judge me if I say, man, I was a dang idiot. I'm a terrible father, right? I need Jesus to help me. It creates an environment that we can be honest. And they'll, how many of you have teenagers? Anybody? They love to tell you all the details in their life, don't they? Don't they love to just tell you what all happened, how good their day went? I think sometimes when we help, uh, when we're more vulnerable, they're more vulnerable with you. It's like a give and take, you know? And so you could get more out of them if we give them some more. So that's an encouragement. Um, but I do think to a degree, a teenager's just a teenager. If you figure it out, write me something and send it to me, okay? Last thing's this. What model should I follow? How should I parent? And this is what I love is that God gives us a model in 66 books, okay? See, the answer is God. God's our model of how we need to parent. Because you know this, when we come to trust Christ, he is our eternal father and we're adopted into a family. You know that literally we are the shadow of the family that we'll be. God's church and God, all right? So the more you understand how God loves you, the more equipped you'll be to be a godly parent. So really, and this is the most important time of the day, understand where you're at with God. Do you understand how much God loves you? He's for you. He's not uh, beating the Bible over your head. He is behind you. He is for you. He is calling you to be who he's called you to be. That's the parent God is, all right? And I'm just gonna talk about some uh, attributes of God just to help you parent, okay? One is this, God is patient. God is patient. God has been patient. You wanna know why that is? Because I know of all the stupid junk I've done in my life and how much I've degraded his name and he sent Christ to the cross anyway and he still knew my sin on the cross knowing I would be uh, the dummy that did all those things because I know you're probably in here today and you have done some really bad things that you're not proud of. God didn't hold Christ back for those things. He sent him to die for them, right? That's God. He is patient with you. He is not waiting to just condemn you. That's not the character of God. He is urging you, calling you, drawing you, wanting you to come to know him. See, it's by divine appointment you're here. See, God's sovereignty is this, is that he's in control of all things and he's in control of this right now, that it's not an accident you came in here and sat down. That's God calling you, wooing you, wanting you to be who he's called you to be, wanting you to find something you haven't found in the world. That's him calling you because he's for you. Next thing is this, is he's an encourager. God is encouraging. He tells over and over again, hey, I'll be with you. I'm for you. The Lord your God is a mighty warrior who saves He's for you. And I want to tell you something. You want to see your kids lit on fire? There's some magic words you can say. Son, daughter, I'm proud of you. I'm for you. I'm behind you. That you may go out tomorrow and make the worst mistake of your life. You may go out and just make a mess of it. But at the end of the day, there's going to be consequences. But I want to tell you something. At the end of the day, nothing you could do on this earth would change the way I love you. Now, where's that model come from? That's Jesus Christ. That's how God loves us through Christ is that when we're his at the end of the day, I love you, period, that nothing could take that away. See, and that's the kind of security we create is the security we have in God. See, Romans 8 says this, is that once we know Christ, nothing can tear us out of his love, right? And what that creates, when our children come home, it should be an extremely secure place. At the end of the day, no matter what uh, troubles or difficulties we face, at the end of the day, I I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm for you. You can't run far enough to get away from my love and it'll never change. That's 
God. God made that model for us. And that's how he loves you. He's for you. And I wanna talk about God's love a second as we get ready to go. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up as we get ready to finish here. Is God, he loves you in a ferocious way. You wanna know why that is? It's because he sent his only son. I want you to think about your children right now. He sent his one and only son uh, that lived a perfect life, a sinless life to the cross to pay a payment for us that was not meant for him. He uh, sent his son to the cross to pay the payment for our sin. Think about, I want, you to, I want you to think about something real quick. I want you to think about the worst thing you've ever done. I want you to think about the worst thing you've ever done in your life. The most sinful, wretched, if everybody in here knew it, they'd run that sin. Because I promise you, I've got them, Okay? Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew you at that moment. You didn't hide from him. He saw you at that moment when you were doing that and said, if this person come to trust me, watch what I'm going to do with him. I love him just as much in that act as I ever have. See, it's a love and a payment that's already been paid. Christ paid it on the cross. And see, that's the way we're supposed to be with our families is that we lay down our lives for our families, that our families are not about us, but it's about us sacrificing to lead them. And so today, as we talk about the family, there's somebody here, I know it, that's hurting. You have never experienced that. Maybe you've been a son or a daughter that has just rebelled. You've ran from your parents. You have not been obedient. Maybe today you, you had a horrible home situation. Maybe it's something that you know is unthinkable. God knew you in that circumstance and he was for you the whole way. He's for you now. And he, what he's doing, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, oh, God, this is it. And to be adopted and to become a son or daughter of the king, it's to say, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. I do believe he can come and transform my heart. Uh, I believe that I can trade my sin and shame for his goodness and he'll save me right here. God's word says that. And so today, I just believe that someone uh, needs to be adopted into his family. And look, there's no judgment here. I want to tell you something. I know where I was when Christ met me. Thank God that he did. And thank you that he didn't count my sin against me, but rather said, I love you, son. I want to do something with you. Trust me, because I've got a better life for you than the sin and shame you're living in. I got something that's going to be satisfying. It's going to be secure. It's going to encourage you. I'm going to be patient with you. You don't have to be perfect. I'm going to lead you to repentance consistently and I'm going to mold you into the man I want you to be. That's who God is. So today, I just want to uh, ask this. If you know God's calling you to yourself and this wouldn't be normal for you is that uh, you would respond. But I want to tell you something. When we have the faith and the obedience to respond. God's faithful. He'll save you right here. So if that's you today and you feel God calling you to yourself, would you just raise your hand? Is that anybody here today? Is that anybody here? Amen. I want to tell you something. Those words are true. God put them deep in my heart. And they're real. He is who he says he is. And he's got incredible things for you to do. He's got incredible things for your family. He's got incredible things for Connection Church Millen. That I do know without the shadow of a doubt. So as we get ready to close and the band's gonna come play a song, I just pray that you would come and respond to who God's calling you to be because this is what I do know too. No one's arrived yet, right? And I know there's some godly parents in here. They pray with me before this thing. But God hasn't got us there yet. He hasn't got us there. 
So let's pray and just see what God would have for us, that he would change our hearts so that we could love him with all our heart and soul and that we could pour out our strength to lead godly families, okay? Let me pray. God, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for allowing me to come speak. Thank you for letting me be a million today. God, I just pray over each and every heart in this room. God, I pray that your spirit would just be heavy in this place, God, that if someone's here and they're wrestling with the realness of God and the realness of Christ, God, that it would just be, uh, that question mark would just be an exclamation mark, Lord, that they would know you are who you say you are, that you are real, that you are good, that you are for us. And your design is better than ours. So God, I pray for each and every individual here. I pray for our children and connection kids. I pray for our parents and I pray for our family as a church here in Millen. God, that you would begin today and move in an incredible way, Lord. We love you, my God, and we thank you for this time in thy name. Amen.